welcome to another episode of Sweet Valley Online. This week, we're discussing Sweet Valley Twins Super Chiller number three, The Carnival Ghost. I'm Wing, I want to run away to join a haunted carnival, and I'm still waiting for werewolves. I'm here with my not so evil twins, Dove and Raven. I'm Dove, and this is the best book ever! I'm Raven, and I too enjoyed this book immensely. You probably know that the more I like something, the more I babble on about it. So this summary is less a summary and more a half hour look at how much I love this book. But thanks for sticking around. Basically, a traveling carnival comes to Sweet Valley during Christmas break and the twins and their friends are thrilled because everything after Christmas is boring until New Year's Eve, which is like six days. So God, get it together, kids. Jessica's interest of the book is fortune telling clearly fitting for a super chiller but also super believable for her and I think the questions she's asking are things like will I go down in infamy as a serial killer will I ever get caught will Lila and I pull a queer body and Clyde we can live in hope Jessica we can live in hope she's super excited to meet the fortune teller at the carnival and grumpy when she gets a bad fortune at her fortune cookie at dinner which says vanity is her weakness, and there is no lie. Elizabeth's fortune cookie is far more important to the current story, which is some heavy-handed foreshadowing, but it does work. Avoid high places if you do not want to fall. This book is actually really, really, really great, as you'll learn as we all talk about it during this episode, but it's also really repetitive. Not in a bad way, it's fun to read the way things keep escalating, But it can basically be boiled down to Elizabeth acts weird. She doesn't make her bed. She leaves a messy room. She refuses to do her chores. She blows off Amy. You know, basically, she acts like Jessica. Jessica tries to clean up after her, acting like Elizabeth, and keep her from getting into trouble while she's also angry and hurt that Elizabeth ignores her. Wash, rinse, repeat. So the basic thing is just this ongoing build of tension between them, but there are some plot points that need to be summarized. Number one, the only time the twins have fun together, and not like that, you perv. The twins go to the carnival the very minute it opens, and one of the first things they do is hit up the haunted house. Toward the end, there are two paths, so they split up. Jessica takes the vampire option because she doesn't like ghosts, and since this is after the Christmas ghost, I bet she fucking doesn't like ghosts. And in that one, she has to walk through an open coffin, a delightful detail for a haunted house. That leaves Elizabeth, of course, to take the ghost option, and she walks through an open grave, which is, again, a beautiful detail, and one that comes into play much later. Plot number two, Jessica's fortune. Even though the twins plan to do everything together during the carnival, Elizabeth runs off to find her new ghostly BFF, and Jessica has to spend a great deal of time alone, angry at Elizabeth, and kind of lonely. She goes to see the fortune teller, Mademoiselle Z, on her own, and at first she predicts a happy event for Jessica in the near future, which turns out to be that their parents agree to raise everyone's allowances. Things do not go super well the next time Jessica goes to visit Mademoiselle Z because she takes the unicorns and Lila is delightfully skeptical and snarky. This gets Lila in trouble with Z, who predicts that she'll have a great misfortune that night. And it ends up being that one of the ponies freaks out 
because Elizabeth and her ghostly BFF are there, not that the characters know that at that point. And it ruins Lila's outfit because she trips, lands in a mud puddle, and pours her chocolate shake all over her new shirt. This means Lila will never, ever go back to the carnival again, and probably there's a lawsuit in process as we speak. Which leads to plot point number three, which is Lila's party of the year. Not to be outdone by Aaron Dallas's recent party, Lila decides to throw a New Year's Eve party, and she and Jessica work on all the details and boss the other unicorns around about it. It's a carnival theme because, again, Lila's never going back to the traveling carnival again after her outfit was ruined, and everyone is really excited by it. Especially Jessica, who becomes too terrified to go back to the carnival, and not because the entrance looks like a giant clown head. Why is no one else afraid of that thing? She's scared because Mademoiselle Z predicts that she will have no future unless she stays away from the carnival. And of course, Jessica, who is a true believer, won't go back. We as the reader know that she's actually talking about Elizabeth because twins, because somehow even people who see them at different times around their house don't figure out that they're actually twins and not just one person in multiple places. At the party, Jessica plays the fortune teller and gives really great fortunes that she and Lila write for people until the very last one, which is supposed to be a nice one for Lila, but when Jessica reads it, it says that Lila will go bald. Jessica freaks out because, oh my god, we made fun of Mademoiselle Z and now everything is horrible. But, you know, the real truth is that someone's playing a trick on them. Jessica gets her sleuth hat on again, figures out it's Steven, and they turn the tables on him, convincing him that the fortune came true and Lila is now bald, which freaks him out for some unknown reason. Plot point number, I think we're up to four. Elizabeth's new girlfriend. Way back during the haunted house, when Elizabeth goes through the ghost path, she meets someone on the path. A girl who looks a year or two younger than her, so 10 or 11, with dark hair and dark eyes and an old-fashioned white dress, which means run, Elizabeth, run! Kids with dark eyes and long dark hair and old-fashioned clothes are forever marked as murderous ghosts. Why do you not know this? Ghost friend is Claire. She says her father owns the carnival, and she intrigues Elizabeth enough that Elizabeth spends the rest of the book looking for her or spending time with her or wishing she was spending time with her or worried that she's hurting Claire by not spending time with her. And it really kind of reads as this weird first girl crush for Elizabeth. Not weird because girl crushes are weird, but weird because the kid is like 10. (laughs) Claire also plays some really disgusting tricks on Elizabeth in a way that doesn't make sense to me if she's trying to lure her into friendship. For example, she turns Elizabeth's lemonade into a black gross drink and it freaks Elizabeth out a lot. But Claire then tries to uh, wave it off. No one ever acknowledges Claire when they're going around the carnival. And Elizabeth never learns things like, where do you live at the carnival? And things like that. But the appeal of Claire, the, the spell she's spinning over Elizabeth, is enough that Elizabeth doesn't really care about these things. And it's creepy and it's wonderful and it's twisted and it's a lot of fun. Plot point number five, Jessica and Amy team supernatural. Jessica and Amy, surprisingly, team up to do some more research on the carnival and save Elizabeth. And I'm reminded that Amy is apparently working her way through the unicorns. Get it, girl. Amy and Elizabeth are supposed to be researching and writing a story for the Sixers, of course. But since Elizabeth is blowing everything off for Claire, 
Jessica ends up going with Amy. I know, very weird. And they end up talking to a Mr. Melman who designed the haunted house 10 years ago after the old one burned down, which is pretty damn dramatic. Weird things happen while he worked, but the weirdest thing, and the thing that put him off from designing haunted houses ever again, is that the fake tombstone he put at the end of the ghost path turned into a real tombstone, with the CC initials carved into it and the dates 1882 to 1892. When later, Jessica sees Patrick Morris freak out at the carnival, where she's lurking outside, worried about Elizabeth, but still too scared to go inside, and learns that he was on the Ferris wheel all by himself with empty cars around him, and he heard a girl's voice asking him to come play. This cements it for Jessica the Believer. There is a ghost, Elizabeth is being haunted, and everything is terrible. Plot point number six is Claire's sad little girl backstory. Her father did, at one point, own the carnival, and after her mother died, he refused to let Claire have any friends or ride any carnival rides or have any fun for some reason that doesn't actually make any sense. On her 10th birthday, she sneaked out to ride the Ferris wheel, but her dress got caught when she tried to jump back out of it to turn it off. She was dragged to the air and then her dress ripped and she fell to her death, which is actually a horrific backstory for this ghost. And even though she's been very strange and creepy, it kind of makes her sympathetic too. Plot point number seven, Jessica the Supernatural Slayer. Jessica starts to get creepy nighttime visits and calls warning her away from the carnival, which we figure out pretty quickly is Mademoiselle Z and her bodyguard. And come on, if you're going to leave cryptic messages trying to get people to stay away, be less cryptic and less creepy. And Jesus, less stalkery, because somehow you took Jessica's name, found her house and her phone number, and followed her around. Everything comes to a head with Jessica the Supernatural Slayer. The last night that the carnival is in town, right before it closes, there's a storm and fog and creepy darkness, and hashtag best Jamie Suzanne writes amazing atmosphere. Finally, Mademoiselle Z and her bodyguard, who is also her fiancé, figure out that there are two Wakefields running around, not just one. Despite the fact that the bodyguard fiancé has been stalking Jessica back to her house without ever managing to see both girls at once. Mademoiselle Z was also a child living at the carnival previously, and Claire tried to make her into the friend forever that Claire wants and kills to have. They let the ponies loose to find where Claire is, and of course she's at the Ferris wheel because where the fuck else would she be? They fight her, she takes out the adults easily, Jessica manages to get into the car with Elizabeth before it starts to rise, and sisterly love saves the day because the thing that breaks Elizabeth free of her spell is when Claire uses her powers to hurt Jessica, and Elizabeth goes boom. Warned you this was going to be super long summary, but there it is. The most amazing book in the Sweet Valley series. I'm so glad you liked it. You have been listening to Sweet Valley Podcast number 23. Can I just say, I think after all that, there will be no more jokes about how long it takes uh, Dove to list her favourites in this series. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there will, because I have one favourite. This book, this is my favourite. It will never get any better. It was clearly not any better. This is it. So my list is one book. Your list is 500. <laughs> but you're okay. You're okay, Dove, because me and Wing have made a pact that we're not going to joke about that until you finish listing the, the, the books. <laughs> so you're safe. Nobody likes you. Everyone's laughing, aren't they? <laughs> Even Rosie.
was sending me sassy messages about that. And, oh, God, why? Everyone's being very, very sassy. Well, how's it should be? <laughs> Your list is 500 books long. You have never finished it to this day. But at least I've earned your respect because I always said that this was the best one, didn't I? You did, and it was the best ever. And I should just retire now because nothing will ever be as good <laughs> as this book in Sweet Valley. Oh, my God. I I know we should be doing this chronologically, but can I just give a shout out to one of my favorite moments in this, which was a really small moment where Jessica is running through the carnival, desperately trying to find Elizabeth. And uh, she's calling out Liz's name in the vague hopes that she'll find her. And a carnival employee goes, are you lost? Can I help you? And she goes, oh, right. I'm looking for my twist. Uh, my sister. She's like blonde. She's got blue eyes. Oh, she looks exactly like me. We're twins. And I was just like, <laughs> I really love that bit. And I don't know why. I, but I, I do think it is the kind of believable, stupid stuff that Jessica would do when she was that worried so i agree big shout out for that moment because it's just proper fun this book is so fun all the way across the board it was fantastic oh and who wants to go to lila's new year's eve party like i hate parties and socializing but i am so there yeah the party was great the fact that she had was it bumper car boats in the pool (laughs) and that makes me think what the the pool is big enough to fit multiple boats in with multiple people in. It is always described as Olympic size. I mean, next time you look at the Olympics, take note of the pool size because it's fucking gigantic. See, I remember going to a funfair carnival thing when I was younger where they had those remote control bumper car boats. Maybe I, it was it that that she had? So you have like little controllers of little boats going around or was it boats in which people were sat i reckon it was like little boats in which people were sat although i did suspect that they might be sort of like less boats and more sort of like inflatables with with rather feeble motors but at the same time lila's got so much swag yeah the the the, the massive swag about it was she went right okay fuck this carnival the carnival's crap mademoiselle z's an imbecile the whole thing's ridiculous i'm gonna have a party on new year's eve and it's going to be carnival themed. And by the end of the week, she had a Ferris wheel and bumper car boats. And the whole thing was sorted. And this is the time between Christmas and New Year where everywhere's closed. I'm like, Lila, that's pretty impressive. I'm telling you, money makes it happen. Her dad snapped his fingers and they had everything. They had real carnival food and booths and games. I just, it was amazing. She was so petty and so snarky and perfect in this book oh my god yeah the fact that she was making all her friends dress up as different different people she was like i'm gonna be a witch oh and that sassy exchange where she was just like um where jessica didn't want to dress up as as mademoiselle J, and she was like well as far as i know belinda and uh belinda and ellen aren't vampires but they're willing to do it jess and just like oh lila i love you also i really want that fanfic someone write that for me belinda the vampire i am down i mean ellen can come to you but whatever vampires and unicorns make it happen yeah it sort of explain why a fastball's pretty good for a, for a 12 year old really wouldn't it oh my god we need some twilight baseball gifts in this fic <laughs> yeah we do uh. 
Yeah, I like uh, the fact that as well that Lila was Lila dressed as a witch. A good witch though, a, a sexy witch. witch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, I'm Lila. I'll dress what I'll do what I like. Jessica's like, we were gonna dress like carnival people. Well, I'm the host, I have to look beautiful. Yes, Lila, <laughs> yes you do. You were the greatest always. Yeah, Lila's just something special she really is isn't she and that's like the c plot or something and we're, we're that excited about the c plot i know like all the way down this was exciting the stupid pranks that steven gets in with them which is like z plot basically still exciting also i do feel that there is the potential for a continuity error Okay. Not maybe a continuity error, but a slight error. And I spoke to Raven about this when he finished. I was like, Edan, 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 can we talk about this now? Because Lila's been waiting all night for the uh, fortune, you're going to be a famous movie star or something like that. And for Elizabeth's fortune, the moon goes behind a, cl- a cloud and Jessica can't read what the fortune is. So she just crumples it and throws it away and says... Uh, you're going to know the value of your true friends. So technically, you're going to be a famous movie star could have been what Jessica crumpled and threw away. Maybe it's not a complete continuity error, but um, it was just 11-year-old me was like, that could have, you know possibly could have been wrong there well the thing is i always i, I thought that lila might have picked that up you know because she threw it to the side and lila could have picked it up to read read what fortune was discarded yeah okay i could see lila doing that like if jessica like was just throwing them to a side and lila's there picking them up going nope 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 i'm good right my turn I just assume she blocked out anything that happened with elizabeth because she hates her so much <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily a continuity error, but more Sweet Valley time. The one thing that I did get stuck on when I first started this was that it's Christmas again. Yeah. Yeah. We just had a Christmas super chiller. In Danny Means Trouble, it's set during the end of track season, which is usually late spring, end of the school year. And now we're back to Christmas again. This doesn't make sense. And I know I'm not supposed to apply logic to Sweet Valley Time, but this is really annoying me. <laughs> Does it make sense in the actual um, release schedules of the books? Not really. I do have a spreadsheet somewhere, but I'm not on my computer. I'm on the podcast computer. So um, we can look into that. But technically, 11-year-old me figured this out. Now, The Christmas Ghost only took us to Christmas Day. This book took place uh, from Boxing Day on uh, December 26th onwards, because you guys don't have Boxing Day. I don't know why. It's very cool. You should do it. I don't even know what it is, but it's a thing. So, so. all the books in between this happened... Later. <laughs> in between those two books. Yeah. They they happened either before or after. Look, it, it is a hashtag Sweet Valley time, but um, as far as the super chillers go, young me just assumed that those books happened literally back to back and although it is weird that jessica hasn't carried through well actually maybe she has carried through what she learned because she does put elizabeth first doesn't she say at some point that she doesn't believe in ghosts or not that she doesn't believe in ghosts but she's skeptical that's fair point Uh, i did want to talk about her the true believer but One thing, I I did go back and actually check, because I thought maybe there was continuity on the Christmas gifts, but there's not. I mean, yes, maybe Elizabeth got multiple things that Jessica liked, but the yellow shirt was not continuity, so it kind of made it feel like a new Christmas. I'm just trying to find the publication date, but I am not seeing it. Also, how much did we love that? Like, 
Jessica went in to uh, borrow Elizabeth's brand new Christmas gift shirt. And it's like, damn, that bitch wore her own present. What a bitch, you know? Also clearly has learned nothing from the Christmas ghost, which was turning around similar points at one point. Oh, God. Although she is kinder to Elizabeth than we've ever seen before in oh, this yeah. book. Like, she's kind of amazing. You, their friendship feels real and wonderful. And part of it is, and this is another thing I really wanted to talk about, was Jessica as the true believer. Because she does kind of come across as a true believer, both in the fortune telling and in the curses. And then when it starts to look like there's actually a supernatural thing going on, she's really quick to believe that too. And I love it. And it makes sense she had three Christmas ghosts come visit her. One was an angry unicorn. She saw their future. She learned that she has to do things to change it. She believes in fortune telling. Of course, she's the true believer here. And I really liked that bit of continuity, even if I don't necessarily buy into how Sweet Valley Time is working here. I just, I just love everything about this book. I, I think it's going to be one of those reviews where I just keep going, oh, isn't it awesome? And not making any point other than I loved it. The one thing I will say about this that that made me think, hang on, they're going to have a hard time getting away from, they're going to have a hard time going back to normal stories after this, is because the end of the book, Liz is enthralled in ghostly Claire's mental powers or whatever. And she's about to hurl herself from the top of the Ferris wheel, which is stopped. And there's a ghost floating in front. And it's only Jessica who, who saves her. He grips onto her and, and you know, no, don't go, let's stay with your sister. And that's a beautiful, beautiful scene. And she basically saves Elizabeth's life. And, you know, from a, from a vengeful ghost that was two feet in front of them. So the next time we read a book where Elizabeth goes, oh, bloody hell, Jessica's stolen my best jumper again. Jessica can just turn around and go, fuck you, bitch. I saved your life from a ghost. You'd be dead if it wasn't for me. This is not wrong. there's no top in that. That's just like, yeah, have all my, have the shoes from my feet. You can have them. That's fine. (laughs) It still doesn't make it okay about the dog. The dog's still (laughs) off the table, but literally everything else. Yeah. Everything she does to Elizabeth, anything she does to other people is still kind of shitty. And the dog thing is bullshit, Jessica. Bullshit. (laughs) But yeah, like anything she's done to Elizabeth going forward, technically I wouldn't even give her anything she's previously done is made better because she did this. So yeah, I really do feel like this is going to be the high point of the whole series from twins on up, even if we go back to kids, just everything. This is going to be the best book because it really feels like the end of something. They're still coming back from that. Yeah, you're not topping this. This is completely off topic, but with you saying Sweet Valley Kids, uh, someone actually emailed us and said that going back to Jessica's Secret, which we've recapped recently, apparently all the pranks that they were listing that they pulled on Stephen, they actually happened in Sweet Valley Kids. How's that for continuity? That's amazing. Sweet Valley Kids written after Sweet Valley Twins. I believe it was, yeah. I think well, they, cool. they started at high and then they worked backwards down the ages and then they went, oh, fuck, we've, we've sort of like run out of, oh, senior year, junior high, unicorn club. <laughs> I just see twins, kids, fetuses. <laughs> Ned's sperm. <laughs> 
very different series. In Sweet Valley High, they do the Wakefields and the Robertsons throughout the ages of how these two family trees have always been sort of intertwined, but they've never got together until Alice and Ned. So, yeah, they're willing to go way back. I think it's the Wakefield saga or something. Who gives a shit about the Roberts- Robertsons? Do you meet do you meet more of the Robertsons? Uh, no, no spoilers of, of, for, for characters and stuff, but are the Robertson family a big thing in in the book about the Wakefield twins, in the series about the Wakefields? Well, no. All we've met is Grandpa and Grand- Grandma Robinson. Robertson. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I guess so. But they, they didn't really... They weren't, like, flying the flag for the Robertson family, were they? It's not like the uh, it's not like West Side fucking story. I, I think you're overthinking it, um, because it can be boiled down to money. I was say, I haven't read it, but I remember when Teen Creeps did the saga on their show, uh, it kind of did come across as that sort of Romeo and Juliet families will never come together. There were definitely some points where it sounds like that's what's going to be. Like, families that aren't allowed to be together or fate keeps them apart or whatever and then ned and alice are like the acme of yep familial evolution and produce the perfect twins well actually that's a really good point all of this has happened to bring about the wakefield twins yeah yeah but jessica saved elizabeth's life so it's all (laughs) worth it uh yeah this book is amazing the little details the writing like just from a writing perspective this book is so good not just as a sweet valley twins book not just as a sweet valley anything book it's just a really good little ghost story it is so well done the creepiness is great the atmosphere is unbelievable team grapplegate knocked it out of the park here this is fantastic And I love how petty Claire got towards the end because she was, um, you know, she was fairly innocuous to start with. But towards the end, like Elizabeth looks out over to the sea for for some reason. And Claire's like, why did you look away from me? Why are you trying to be mean to me? Look at me. We're best friends. And it's like, fuck me. This is a scary 10 year old. She is super (laughs) creepy. And especially as Elizabeth starts to fight free a little bit of her control. Yeah, she's like forcing Elizabeth to look at her right in her face. And you can see Elizabeth's thoughts just kind of fade away. It's very, very good. Actually, that reminds me of another point I wanted to make, which is that the Wakefield parents are decently parenting in this book. When Elizabeth starts spending all her time with the carnival with Claire... They are concerned. They want to meet this new friend of hers. They invite her to dinner when she just doesn't show up. They, you know, tell Elizabeth, we're not cool with you hanging out with this person that refuses to meet us. Uh, They ban her from the carnival for a day because she's spending too much time there and everything's slipping her chores and her homework, not homework, but her chores and her reading and everything. So they're actually parenting pretty decently most of the time. There is one point where they tell Elizabeth she can go to the carnival, but she has to be home by this certain deadline before they leave for a party. And she comes in two hours late, but they've already fucked off to the party, at which point I was like, (laughs) well, all of that parenting has just gone down the drain. I liked it when they were like, "Uh, don't you think you should like take a day off uh, from the carnival and hang out with Amy? Because... How do you think Amy feels when you get a new best friend and you drop her? And, and <laughs> like, as readers, you're just sitting there going, I bet she's fucking used to it. I definitely flagged that in my recap. I'm like, yes, Elizabeth, you don't have to drop your old friends just to have a new one. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a nice little story, though. Also, when you were uh, recapping, uh, yeah, 
when you were summarizing. It was basically a recap. As it was, summary, wasn't sorry. it? And you mentioned that she turned Elizabeth's lemonade into a gross liquid. It suddenly occurred to me for the very first time that she turned it into blood on the first draft and the editors went, no. Oh my God, she did. Oh, <laughs> yes. This yes. is the first time I've ever thought about that moment with like Team Grapplegate at the helm. I'm like, oh, she totes did. She completely turned it into blood. Oh, because like every time I read that, I was like, oh, black liquid, how scary. Like, you know, because I've seen like this tip in like magazines, like, oh, you know, put a drop of food dye in the bottom of the uh, glasses and then pour lemonade and watch your kids be amazed that you can make multicolored drinks so i was like oh black lemonade how scary Ooh! and then when you were talking about it isn't that just coke <laughs> yeah and then when you were talking about it it was like blood bet it was blood it and the editors said no blood. oh my god that's brilliant i wish they'd stuck with the blood because ah. it explains why elizabeth is so upset and so disgusted because i'm like most people, most eleven-year-olds would just look at a funny coloured drink and go, "Ooh." Whereas Elizabeth's kind of like, "Ah, like why would you do that to me? I was genuinely scared. I have PTSD. I'm triggered." I think your Elizabeth hate is coming through because she's <laughs> in the so. back of the ma- mirror maze, being very creepy in general, watching people very creepy. But she did it without True. touching it. So yeah, I'd be a little freaked out if my new friend suddenly turned my drink black too without touching it. Yeah. What was the other trick that she did as well? Was it like, think of a number between one and a billion? Is it 754,312? Yeah. She did some number awesome. tricks. There were yeah. some things where she stood... Oh, I didn't even think to mention that. I should have... So they played the shooting gallery game. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh God, and yeah. she stood back behind the target to make Elizabeth hit the target that got her the biggest prize. Elizabeth freaked out about shooting her, which, you know, valid fear. But yeah, she was just... In America? Is that a valid fear? Yes. <laughs> she was right. Yes, it was a valid fear. <laughs> it was just a valid fear that your friend is standing behind a place where they're shooting targets. And yes, it's not real bullets, but she can still get hurt. Something could hit her. Yeah, and then it has a lovely callback at um, Lila's party where she's got like little cap guns and Elizabeth's like oh, let's go to the shooting gallery. I'm really good at this. And she like completely misses. And Jessica wins some purple sunglasses and like, have that bitches, I rock. I also like that all of the prizes are basically purple themed things, of course, because they're really for the unicorns, not for the plebeians. (laughs) Yes. Oh, this just, everything about this book, just awesome. so good. I cannot get over that. It was so worth it. Oh my god. So you mentioned the repetition of it though. Did the repetition not great in places? I'm trying to be devil's advocate here because I also think the book's amazing. But, you know, nobody just wants us to tune in and just hear us go, this was brilliant. They might. I'm I'm literally (laughs) crying with joy about how great this book was. And scene. (laughs) (laughs) We've already done that. So yeah, the repetition, did, did that not great at all or... No, because it built. Because it wasn't just like Elizabeth didn't do her bed. I've got to make her bed. It's the fact that it, the fact that Elizabeth forgot once, and Jessica's like, "Hey, I made your bed for you today." And Liz is like, "All right, okay, I won't do it again." And you think that's that, and then it happens again and again, and and Jessica just starts incorporating it into her morning routine to, you know, straighten Elizabeth's room so that she doesn't get into trouble. And actually, it's it's a nice thing to see Jessica looking after Elizabeth because it 
to be honest, it only ever fucking happens in the super chillers and it's fucking amazing. <laughs> and it's not like it's just the bed over and over. It's the bed's not made and then her room is messy and then their bed's not made and her room's messy and the bathroom's messy. And then all of those things are true. And she's throwing fits and not answering calls and not coming down for dinner and not helping out. And then all of those things are true. And she seeks out of the house and it just keeps building up in these things. And she's having nightmares. Jessica's having nightmares because she's getting freaked out by the stalking done by Mademoiselle Z's Beyonce, Nikolai. The bodyguard. Yeah, the yeah. bodyguard. So Jessica's getting really freaked out about this, but Elizabeth is having like supernatural nightmares and she's moaning in her sleep. And yeah, it just escalates. It's just so good. So... I let it slide. I didn't even let it slide. I think it was intentional. Like, unlike the stuff where it feels like we're revisiting the same story, like the earring thing, where it felt very repetitive to me. This just feels like how a ghost story builds. One little thing that could be, it's a little out of the ordinary, but it's not a big deal. Becomes two things, becomes five things, becomes 25 things. Just the way that builds to something super creepy. Yeah, and also, how much did we love Amy and Jessica teaming up to go and see Mr. Mel- yes! Melvin? Melville. Just. Oh my God. See, this is why I like the super chillers, editions, whatever, because they usually take the kids out of school. And without that, the sort of unicorn pleb divide kind of falls or something happens and everyone has to band together. And it's just really nice seeing different personalities interacting with each other and this was one of the few times that I liked Amy I don't no, I, I don't think I could go that far that I like Amy but her and Jessica teaming up to be plucky girl detectives was awesome I do like Amy uh most of the time but yeah I, I agree it was a lot of fun it does seem uh nice to see that Jessica or any of the unicorns interacting with non-unicorns and vice versa and also I really do like I kind of said earlier I really love the way Amy's kind of working her way through having these brief moments of friendship and or girlfriendship with the unicorns just one after another I'm like yes Amy do it do your thing this is true the thing is one day she is going to go to booster practice and just beat them all to death (laughs) in the battle I'm pretty sure about that I look forward to that book too yeah the unicorn massacre yeah Amy caves in a skull. <laughs> That's at the end of Dove's list. <laughs> yeah. How many people can Amy skewer on a baton? Baton. We'll find out. I do also think that if Claire had been just a little bit older, this would have really deeply read as this creepy romance kind of thing, which I thought would have been super interesting too. Like the points are already there. It's just that she's 10. So it's really awkward. But uh, just the obsession and the way they're constantly together. And, oh, my God, she must be so lonely without me. That sort of obsessive romance thing kind of rides beneath the surface. But as a friendship level, because, again, she's 10. Well, you can always, like, read, read that with Elizabeth, if you like, because she's always got a new girlfriend. Like, Amy's her steady, but if there's a new girl in town, Elizabeth wants uh, a couple of dates. So just long enough to fix whatever issues this new girl has. So she's making Polly work for her. I like it. Go, Elizabeth. But you're right. It could be a creepy romance without much tweaking at all. Just the age, really. And you're right, even Claire's story is a bit sad. Oh, it is. It's very sad. It's very sad. And then there's also the, the, the part where, obviously, Madame, Madame Z, Madame, is it Mademoiselle? Or? Mademoiselle, Mademoiselle. Yeah. Ma- Mademoiselle Z was trying to ward Jessica off 
from um, being with Claire with the whole twin magic thing, confusing the issue there. But then we learn later on that Mademoiselle Z was actually a much was very young when Claire went to her and tried to befriend her as well, and she said, "No, I can't come with you." And then that was why there was sort of animosity between them. So the fact that she could see the ghost. It sort of lent credence to her fortunes almost, if you know what I mean. She had a sort of second sight, maybe. Just in you saying all of this makes me think too, like Claire does this frequently. There's some kind of half discussed stories at one point where the carnival keeps having to leave town early because disaster strikes, which first of all, after one or two times, maybe shut the shit down, but you know, maybe they're not quite as quick to do that back then. But, uh, Mademoiselle Z can see the ghost and she knows this friendship trap. How many people has she watched Claire kill who didn't heed her warnings? Like on the one hand, maybe figure out a way to be a little more clear and or scare them off. But on the other hand, how horrific for her to have to keep watching these kids die, knowing what she knows and seeing what she sees. Like that's, I'd like to see more of her actually in fix. That's really an interesting cycle. I'm presuming that nobody died in these because yes i think they close it down someone did die at least one person died recently they had to leave town because it was off the ferris wheel even was it a death or was it just an accident it was a death yeah it was referenced in the book as a death it was yeah i didn't pick up on that at all um i don't know that it was recent recent i Um, thought it was in the past year or so i i thought the only death was actually the death of claire no there's definitely a death because I think that's really dark then if, if it's... Like, we don't need to do Bleak Valley after this then. If, if Mademoiselle Z has just been watching kids die and has been impotent doing the whole thing. And then you look, think about the best she can do to warn Jessica off is to pretend to be a skeleton and right. tap her fucking... Just, you know, come out and say it, love. Just, you know. But at the end of the book, when Claire is trying to take Elizabeth... She does actually say, take me. So clearly she's had enough. And Claire goes, nah, fuck you. You're all old and wrinkly and baggy. I've got myself a new young girlfriend. So get fucked, Mademoiselle Z. Yeah, she's like, Claire's really bitter about it. This is why I think that I didn't think there was a death because I thought that, that yes, okay, it's, it's it's the subterfuge and the plan of Claire. But I thought that her wanting a playmate in the afterlife was an actual, a real thing that she wanted. So therefore, if other people had died and joined her in the afterlife, she'd have those friends. I don't think she would stop though, because she is, has Elizabeth under her spell. And apparently this is supposed to take all the way through the end of the carnival. Like this is her buildup, but she at one point fucks off and asks Patrick on the Ferris wheel to come play with her too. Yeah, so maybe they just don't become ghosts and she's constantly questing. She's just she's just trying to harvest souls. Yeah, she's trying to like find the girl who will become a ghost. And, you know, if anyone is, it's going to be a fucking Wakefield twin because they're fucking epic. <laughs> Even Claire knows the truth. So was there, was there nothing anyone disliked about the book? I didn't dislike it. I was a little confused as to how making Stephen think that Lila was bald was supposed to actually be turning the tables and getting back at him. Oh, I, I thought I thought I, I had no problem with that at all. That's a comedy basic, isn't it? That's 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 Does it work? Almost, almost a trope. It's <laughs> like it? okay, uh, yeah, I, th- I think so. It's it's like 
He's done this joke. Look, the joke has come true. Oh, my God, I have powers. My God, this is terrifying. You know, what, what I predicted is the truth. Although I will actually, now that Wings brought it up, I'll now play devil's advocate. I don't know whether we have a history of this in Stephen, but we definitely have a future of this in Stephen, where he becomes very egotistical if something like that happens. And he's like, yeah, I'm a fucking wizard now. Bitches bow down to wizard Stephen. <laughs> oh my God. Otherwise, I'll turn you bright green. So I don't know whether we have a history of that, but in later books, he does have that sort of like cockiness that goes he, a bit too far. He claimed to have ESP in the first book, didn't he? Was it the first was it the haunted house? He claimed to have ESP. At one point, he does claim to have ESP, yeah. Oh, was that no? Is that the one where Jessica falls down the it is, ladder? Yeah. That's taking, yeah. Is it taking charge? No. Uh, teamwork. No, yeah. not teamwork. teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> it's the one with the... The girl with the, girl the, with the heart goggles. condition. Yeah. 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 Making a bed as part of the Olympics. <laughs> to fuck off. Yeah, I still think she's dead because, you know, if you race a wheelchair with a heart condition, like if you're not allowed to walk fast, racing a wheelchair will probably kill you. Well, we certainly haven't seen her since. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to update our site. Missing, presumed dead after the mini Olympics. I mean, I guess we could have suggested that maybe her parents just did force her back to that other school. But yeah, let's go with dead. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, you were fantastic in the mini Olympics. That's amazing. Well done. You're really good. You're still going back to the crap school. <laughs> we're going to send you to a school where you don't have to race a, a wheelchair that will, like, make your heart explode. Right? <laughs> so... Uh, is the conclusion that we love this book so much we're now reliving past books because we've got nothing bad to say <laughs> yes! about this one. Okay, that's this good to know. This book is just so good. And I honestly, you kind of joked about not having to have Bleak Valley. I really am not going to have anything for Bleak Valley because it's just so good. <laughs> it is just a horror story in itself. Well, that's fair. Here's one thing we could we could discuss. How ridiculous does Elizabeth look in that Hawaiian shirt on the front cover? <laughs> there you go. There's something I don't like. How Elizabeth looks in that shirt. It's just, it's about, it's about a billion sizes too large. You just hate Elizabeth. What she could wear whatever you like, and yeah. So that is a weird looking shirt. I will give you that. Plus the whatever the yellow flowers are look more like duck feet. Uh, I would argue that's not the wrong size for a shirt of that style, though. I think that's how they're supposed to fit. But it is an ugly shirt. I kind of just skimmed over the shirt because I was too busy staring at the ghost and the Ferris wheel. Yeah, to be fair, the ghost and the Ferris wheel are the things that win. So, yeah, if that's if that's the only thing we can think of is the flaw of Elizabeth's dress sense, then I think. This is, you know, a bit of a winner of a book. Well, even the cover, like, yes, that shirt, now that you said something, I cannot look away from it. The shirt is terrible. <laughs> but the cover itself is delightful other than that damn shirt. So, yeah, this book just across the board. I love it. It doesn't really scream Christmas, though, does it? No, it doesn't. In fact, I was super surprised to find it set between Christmas and New Year's just in general, like that's not a really big time for traveling carnivals because people are usually traveling themselves or family stuff. Uh, especially this one, which was closed on New Year's Day, which I call complete bullshit on. There is no way something that is based around people having time to come to it and spend money is to be closed on New Year's Day. Not happening. That's true, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I was expecting... it's expect open on New Year's Eve. Right. Yeah. I was expecting it to be summer, like after the end of the school year. 
Is it possible that it was a choice for the weather so we could have the ominous fog? Is that more likely to happen? I mean, because California, as far as I know, like Sweet Valley doesn't have weather. It's just glorious sunny day after glorious sunny day, unless we're in a super chiller, in which case there will be a storm or fog in this case. Uh, I mean, there's a storm and fog. (laughs) Yeah, they brought fog to Sweet Valley. A plus. It's such a supernatural type of setup that it, it really could have been set anywhere like that christmas time yes it's it's colder even in, in southern california but it's not necessarily more likely to have the fog and stuff i mean especially near the ocean you guys know what ocean fog looks like yes it's awesome do we think that it was then maybe a thing from the editors then that it had to be back to back with the super chiller and possibly they were gonna be a more cohesive unit like these super chillers were just going to take place over the christmas break and that would be christmas for sweet valley and then they got to another batch of jamie suzanne's and went ah fuck it whatever you want whenever you want just righty righty so we've had three super chillers counting this one only two of them have taken place over christmas though right what was the other super chiller the one with crap what was it the one with uh, ghost in the graveyard ghost in the garden because it wasn't right? actually yeah. in the graveyard. The ghost in the ghost was actually in the garden. So right. yes, that's the title fair. is the ghost in the graveyard. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, it should have yeah. been the twins in the graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> Two sets of twins in the graveyard. Very tricky. Can I just say, I have just done a little bit of research. Go on then. You know the gravestone that yes. was in the um, ghost room. The ghost room and. The gravestone had the initials and the dates on it. The initials CC and the dates 1882 to 1892. Yeah. Yeah? That's what it said. George Washington Ferris invented the Ferris wheel. The first Ferris wheel was built for the 1893 Chicago World's Fair. Amazing. (laughs) There was no Ferris wheel for Claire to die on. Grafflegate can get fucked. Beautifully oh, done. Sacrilege. <laughs> also, I'm going to mention this when I bring up uh, Nostalgic Bookshelf and Sweet Valley uh, Twins, Sweet Valley Online. I'm going to mention this to Catherine Applegate, and you're going That's to what I thought. go for it. <laughs> yeah. When you meet her at a book signing, FYI, your Ferris wheel disaster was three years early. <laughs> I think you'll find... Hashtag just saying, by the way, will you sign my book? I love you. I'm a big fan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. It's going to be hilarious. That is really nicely done. (laughs) What's bizarre about it? What's bizarre about it? It's her death in the book is a year before the Ferris wheel was invented. And I honestly think that Grapplegate would not have let that. You wouldn't have made that mistake. You know what I mean? That's oh, there's a Ferris wheel. Well, from the 1800s. When was the Ferris wheel invented? I suppose you couldn't really Google it back then, though, could you? When they no. were writing it. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Because what year did this book come out? Oh, I was gonna say they talk about how she's been doing it for nearly a hundred years. So my guess is they were like, okay, this is when the book is published and set. We want it to be almost a hundred years. They just kicked like not them, the edit, like whoever wrote the outline basically kicked it back. Like just make it a hundred years before this point. Yeah, that's 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 fair. Yeah, they they, they did no it on one that. Really they didn't thought yeah. about it. Yeah, because we certainly didn't think about it while reading until this moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, random, 
randomly I was looking at your recap and I saw the date and went, that's early. I wonder when. <laughs> well, there's a thing. <laughs> it was definitely a Ferris wheel, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a Ferris wheel. Good. Oh, I, so sure. I did have one nitpick. Uh, they call the carousel a merry-go-round. And this might be a Brit versus American English thing, but by God, a merry-go-round and a carousel are not the same thing, dear. Ah, remember, we ran into this problem in The Christmas Ghost because there was that scene where the toddlers, for some reason, yes. were on a carousel yeah, all by themselves yeah. because Alice was up to her tits and gin. Um, yeah. <laughs> but for some reason, like, throughout the book, it was always sidewalk and, and you know, American spellings. But for some reason, merry-go-round. Wrong. It is wrong if that's an English... If that's an England English thing, that's completely wrong. I don't care if the language is named after you. It's not a merry-go-round. It's just the fact that it's inconsistent because it's like it's all sidewalks and spelling stuff without you and spelling stuff with a Z when an S will suffice. Wait, way to go, America. Just Z's are better than Z's, first of all, and way better than S's. And then it's just that one word they change. It's like Wow, your Brit picker was like just proper fucking phoning it in, weren't they? So yeah, listeners, let us know for a ride that turns in a very slow circle while music plays and there are carved animals to ride, usually horses, and they usually go up and down on poles. What do you call it and where do you live? Because I'm curious if merry-go-round is something that that gets called in a lot of places, even in the U.S. I mean, I've certainly never heard it like that, but... I am now curious. So let us know. Merry-go-round or carousel or something else. Or that thing from the opening scene of Lost Boys. That's pretty much just us and our friends. We've actually been on that carousel. So are we finished with this book then? Or would you like to say some more gushing things about it before we move on? (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. I can't believe I loved the Sweet Valley book this much. Uh, Are you going to reread it then? Would it go on your reread pile? Yes. I've already reread it. I feel so good that, like, I finally delivered because when Wing and I were doing PointHorror.com, we would get really, really frustrated that it was so rarely supernatural. I think it was only supernatural, like, four times in the three, four years I was there. How long was I there? It was so rarely. One of the ways I got Wing to, to do this, it was to go, oh, that's weird, like... Sweet Valley is 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 for the tween audience, and they have ghosts. Like she did, she kind of seeded that through years. This is a very long card on her part, except not a card because it really <laughs> happened. She has been tempting me with this and werewolves. The fact that there are werewolves at some point for uh, years and it, worth it, all of it worth it. That whole year and a couple of months of hating Sweet Valley. Yes, worth it. Best book. Love it. Yeah. We'll, re- we'll reread it frequently. Yeah, I love this book. It's just such a good ghost story, and I really do like ghost stories. And when I was, like, the right reading age for this, just my shelves were just absolutely filled with mediocre uh, ghost story compilations. And this was, like, the best full-length one that I had because – Every time I tried to buy a ghost story, it was always like just a bumper book of short stories. And um, again, going back to Point Horror, 
you quite often reviewed them and sometimes it'd just be a serial killer and you're like, well, that's technically horror, but it's not a ghost story, is it? Not what I wanted. If they are dead and they've come back as a ghost, you haven't fucking told me because it ended when you killed them. So to have just this big fat book of a ghost story, like fat compared to the rest of the Sweet Valleys, which are about, you know, three three millimeters wide they're very short it was just delightful so before we started recording dove asked since i've been enjoying the edith blighton book so much whether i was sad that i hadn't had them because maybe wayne would have loved them quite a bit too and i'm not i mean i really am enjoying them now and i wish my mom could have read them because she would have loved them but i'm happy to have them now i am honestly sad that baby wing did not have this book this was so soundly in my wheelhouse back then too it is so much fun it might have changed the whole structure of what i read as a kid if i'd read this as a preteen or younger this is just so great it's so much fun and i love it and i wish i'd had it back then (laughs) oh i feel like a winner just because i finally delivered on my promise that it gets better (laughs) i am sad though that because you're little bet was that I would not love the next book I read. If I didn't, you'd write me a werewolf story. And I clearly, clearly adored this book. I adored it so much I couldn't even lie about it to get a werewolf story. So I am sad that I'm not going to have a werewolf story, but I love this book. It's okay. I've I've got a few ideas, so I will get to it. So I am a double winner. Yeah, you're getting that story no matter what, but I don't know how long it will take to, given that Raven and, I, Raven and I have just moved house and we're surrounded by boxes. And if we sound a bit weird, it's because we're recording in new rooms and we're very confused. Yeah, at some point when I get back to my desk and Raven isn't going, you know what we should be doing? We should be unpacking these boxes. I will then type it up. So do you think if you started packing boxes and start lifting your favorite books, which would end first? I'm not getting that story now, guys. I'm very sorry. (laughs) No, the internet's getting that story. I'm just going to block your IP address. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Brilliant. (laughs) Okay, on that note, should we move on to Bleak Valley? Yeah, let's, let's, let's go to Bleak Valley. I sense this one might be a tricky ask. Wing, any thoughts? No, I already said that. I have nothing. It is already a horror story in itself, and it's wonderful. Uh, The only thing is what you mentioned earlier, that if Mademoiselle Z has been watching these kids die, that's pretty Bleak Valley. But that's not even Elizabeth Bleak Valley, unless Elizabeth is also watching kids be brought into the house and be killed. So all right, there's my Bleak Valley. <laughs> so you went to Dexter. That's 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 where you're at. Like the basement is a kill room. Ble- yeah, Bleak Valley. Ned and Alice uh, constantly kill children, and the only one they've kept alive is besides the stepchild sibling who is 
being groomed to follow in their footsteps. They keep Elizabeth alive to clean and take care of the house. And eventually probably she'll be groomed to do something. We don't know what. Uh, but yeah, so there it is. It's a kill house. Elizabeth has watched everyone die. Cannot save them. Can't even save herself. Boom. Bleak Valley. I've also got one. It flies in the face of the kill house. With it happening after Christmas... Bleak Liz has been very sad. She didn't get any presents. She's just very, very alone. And possibly other terrible things have happened to her. I don't know what. I don't want to speculate. But she is in a very, very dark place. And possibly even the family went away for Christmas and just left her. And she hasn't had anything to eat um, because she's not allowed to cook. And, you know, she's just fucking miserable. And it gets to the point where she actually wants to kill herself. And this is where Claire comes in. And she's like, oh, I could be be I could be tragic like Claire and I'll just throw myself down the stairs and it'll be fine. And that's when her other imaginary friend, Jessica, actually does her job and protects her because Jessica is usually the one who gets to do these exciting things that Liz doesn't have the nerve to do. But Jessica is also her self-preservation. So on the normal run of things, Jessica just gets to be rebellious and Liz gets to imagine how it would feel to be rebellious. But things are so dark right now, she is very close to suicide. Jessica talks her, you know, Jessica is the one who is taking care of her. So it's basically two sides of her warring over whether she's going to kill herself before the parents get back or not. That's beautiful. Yeah, I go with that one. There you go. Nice. Uh, my my idea was very similar to that. Very similar to that. I saw her trying to throw herself off the roof of the house Ooh. or throw herself out of a window, which is the Ferris wheel. But I, I prefer the uh, your version with the imaginary friend saving her because my version of that was going to have the step-sibling saving her. And sort of just, you know, saving her in a rough way, if you know what I mean, just dragging her back into the room from the window ledge. And yeah. saying, look, you've got stuff to do. You can get downstairs and start cleaning up. And then the whole story with the ghost and stuff is how um, Bleak Elizabeth explains away the feelings that she had and how she explains away the rescue that she got. Um, but I do like the fact that the internal dialogue that she'd had between her between the ghost, which is, you know, the, the, the voices telling her to do these things, and the imaginary friend of Jessica to save her. I, I think I prefer that. That's nice. I do too. I think that nicely ties to her personality, where she, part of her does want to do this thing, and part of her wants to live, and part of her uh, wants her to live and, and be wants her to live and survive until she can be rescued. Like, there are these different things that she feels all at the same time which is true emotions are complicated so i really like your description of it there dove okay well um i think that's a, a you know quite a fitting bleak story i don't think we need to bleakify it too much this, yeah. this time because the book was the book was um you know an excellent piece of work so should we draw a line on the bleak valley there and move on to the ratings of the books and what we thought of it the rating categories are stupendous, good, meh, bad, and kill it with fire. And this book is stupendous. Oh my god, it's stupendous. It is so stupendous. I cannot wait to rate it as stupendous. So here, yes, stupendous. The book is stupendous. It's so fluffy, I could die. Okay, sorry. Kind of had to get that out. Yeah, you were just like Agnes when she was given a unicorn in Despicable Me. This book is stupendous. 
Yeah, um, I've got to get my jazz hands ready. I totally agree with Wing. It was stupendous, unquestioningly, like top of it as well. Not just not just squeaking in, but like sitting right at the very top of that. Literally nothing is going to be better than this in Sweet Valley. I can already guarantee it. Nothing will top this book. Even the werewolf book will not top this book. I can guarantee it. Okay, uh, I'm going to give this book a mid-good. Um, mainly because the um, the Ferris wheel wasn't invented to ni- 1893. Who am I kidding? Of course, the book was stupendous, <laughs> absolutely marvellous, wonderful, wonderful book. Yeah, one of one of my favourites in the entire series. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. So Loved every good. Oh my god, it is so good. I can't wait to go reread it. Best Sweet Valley book ever. Clearly. I should stop here because it's nearly impossible for any other book to make me feel this happy. I'm never going to get over it. It's amazing. I'm probably going to listen to this podcast a hundred times because I'm so joyful over it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for putting up with our just gushing over this book. And I swear I'll try to get back to actual snark next time. Bye guys. Bye. Later. You've been listening to the Sweet Valley Online Podcast for Super Chiller number three, The Carnival Ghost, recorded on the 25th of March, 2018. Next week, we'll talk about Sweet Valley Twins number 44, 80 Moves In. Be sure to join us for that on 6th April, 2018. You can access all our past recaps and podcasts at sweetvalley.online, a member of the nostalgicbookshelf.com network. Check us out on facebook.com slash sweetvalleyonline or on Tumblr at sweetvalleyonline.tumblr.com. Our music is supplied by Stuart Taylor. He can be contacted at taylorstuart602 at gmail.com for all your own musical needs. We can be found on Twitter at sweetvalley underscore for Dove, Devil's Elbow Pod for Wing, and Bookshelf underscore Raven. Until then, avoid carnivals with creepy clown mouth entrances and dangerous ghost children inside.